Sup, nerds! This is In My Expert Opinion, a podcast about the nonfiction side of speculative fiction. Your hosts are Dr. Marcus Cole. I'm technically a scientist. Sarah Ward. I'm a scientist in progress. And me, Abby Cole. I'm not a scientist at all. Join us as we geek out about the made-up stuff we love and the real stuff that shaped it. Today we're going to talk about the seven deadly sins or cardinal sins. Um, and we're talking about how that relates to Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Full Metal Alchemist. Full Metal Alchemist. Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. So uh, the seven deadly sins are the are the names of the main bad guys, uh, the homunculi, if you will, in Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah, so we're going to be, uh, I've, I've sort of put together some stuff about the general history and manifestation of of these sins. And I'm mostly going to be focusing, this is largely a Christian thing, although some concepts of the same kinds of sins show up in like a variety of world traditions and religions, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but because this is like the, the sort mm-hmm. of seven of them are pretty strictly uh, a Christian thing. So that's sort of going to be the focus. As well as like the classical philosophies from which they were drawn. So nice. like old Greek stuff. So what are these sins again? Uh, you tell me. I was just about to ask you. Can you name oh. the seven deadly sins? Uh, Marcus, do you want to take turns? Uh, greed. Pride. Gluttony. Lust. Wrath. Sloth. Envy. That's seven. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> there was a second where I was like, um, fuck. You nailed I have it. a list in front of me, and I still felt uncertain. It's like, wow, don't screw that's this cheating. Up. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, so yeah, the the seven deadly sins are sort of like, well, sins in general, I guess, are are sort of like basically the idea is that they're rooted in normal human desires, but it's like an excess of them, I guess, or like indulging in them too much. And this is sort of rooted in uh, Aristotle's virtue theory. We talked about Aristotle a little last time, right? Yeah, cheese man. Cheese man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's just cutting the cheese and calling it yeah. Adams. <laughs> it's more cheese. It's Must cheese, be cheese Adams. Adams. Yeah. So Aristotle was uh, not only a alchemist, chemist, scientist, but also a uh, cheese man. It's a Renaissance man. A, a cheesemonger and a uh, uh, sort of a philosopher. So the virtue theory is virtue theory is that like basically you're trying to go for these happy mediums of good things to be. And if you have too much or too little of them, then it's a problem. You're, you're trying to, for example, like truth is one of these virtues that he identified. And if you have like an excess of this, then you're like boastful. And if you have like a deficit, you're like self-deprecating. So he, he like identified these virtues that have these like the spectrum from overdoing it to underdoing it, where really you should be trying to like hit the middle. I'm confused. For truth? Like, is he saying you should be, like, not super honest, but, like, not dishonest? No, no. So, like, for truth, it's, like, you want to be truthful about things. And if you're, like, overdoing it, then it's no longer true because it's boastful. Oh, like, about yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or about, like, over-exaggerating events and stuff. May I propose another analogy? Yes. So, like, 
I would say like one bound of like the virtue would be like a proud boy and the other bound would be like Antifa and right in the middle is like Joe Biden. Dude, I was what? really that- bummed out when you started that. I was so bummed out when you started that because I really thought we were going to make a cheese metaphor and I was like really excited to see where you went with that and then you started off with the proud boys and I got very sad. I don't know how Aristotle would feel about that analogy. I don't know. I guess that that's that presupposes that Joe Biden is the ideal virtue. Are you okay with that? No, not at all. Okay. Let me reconsider. So that's the general idea. So this sort of virtue uh, theory is at the root a lot of of the uh, Christian stuff as well. This monk in the fourth century who lived in Egypt, his name was Evagrius Ponticus. He is the first one to sort of like list out some sins sort of based off of this general philosophy of Aristotle's. This was this kind of a weird guy. He was like very against bathing and he wouldn't eat like fruits and vegetables. Okay. <laughs> why? His Wikipedia page says he was prone to UTIs, but I couldn't figure oh, out. I wonder why. <laughs> and probably scurvy. <laughs> yeah, Presumably. Probably just dealing with a lot of health problems. Yeah, and, and he sort of thought that like weeping and crying was a sign of like the ultimate repentance. So basically, okay, it's probably why he tried to make himself miserable. I don't know. Anyway, he came up with uh, these sins, but there were eight of them. What's the eighth sin? Well, the eighth are uh, gluttony, fornication, greed, wrath, pride, sloth, and then boasting slash vainglory, and then sadness. Oh, it's a bummer. I thought he said that like repentance was okay, though. Was it just like that too much crying is too bad? Crying is repentant, I guess, and sadness is bad? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> That's a really good point. I don't know. I like that he put lust down as fornication. Fornication. Yeah, that's actually that's actually uh, a common way of putting the lust stuff mm. in earlier texts. It doesn't really roll off the tongue quite as well. Fornication. No. Yeah. No. But I guess this means you can like lust after something if you just don't fornicate. Yeah. What? I mean, the implication. Well, because it's in fornication, just like the actual act. So like if. Yeah. It's like saying so, that like, like it's okay to it. like be lusty as long as you're not getting down, right? Yeah. I mean, keep so you can in- be a tease. <laughs> These are translated from Greek or whatever, so I don't know exactly. I can't speak to the precision of the translation i guess but yeah potentially it's hard to tell his pages were stained with tears so <laughs> makes it pretty hard to he read he was just a crying tease <laughs> in ancient greece wow we're really talking shit about this dude <laughs> i i don't know anything about this philosopher so anybody listening to this that's like doing a thesis on this guy I'm, i apologize <laughs> no. <laughs> no we're experts you don't have to apologize <laughs> but yeah so this was translated shortly thereafter into latin and then in uh, ad 590 Pope Gregory I revised this list to form the more common list that we're familiar with. So basically, he lumped sadness in with sloth, and he lumped boasting in with pride, and then he added envy. So that's the list of seven deadly sins that we're familiar with um, from Pope Gregory I. What what year is this? 590. It's a lot more recent than I would have thought. I feel like this was like consolidation of power within the church during this time. I am truly terrible at history, to be honest with you. I have <laughs> no idea. I will, I will speculate. Yeah. I don't know what was going on at this time, but I have to imagine that he had a lot of haters and that's why he added envy in. Y'all can't hate on me. You guys are just jealous of me. You guys are just jealous. Y'all are sinning right now. <laughs> what a bunch of sinners. <laughs> You're just jealous that I'm the Pope. If you hate me, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> Dude, that's, this is like the first way to like become like hater proof. You literally just like make it a <laughs> it's sin. Like, like, actually, this is a sin me. you're going to hell. <laughs> I mean, if anybody's hater proof, it's probably the Pope. I guess. 
you can kind of hate on anybody now, which is like, it's a great time. No, I mean, like people can <laughs> hate on him, but what does it matter if you've got that kind yeah. of like insurance for the afterlife? That's true. If you're like, I'm not guaranteed. trying to hate on the Pope. Guaranteed. And if I'm being honest with you, if someone had to ask me who our Pope was right now, I couldn't tell you. It's Francis. With an I. But I don't hate on him. No, no hate for the Pope. I don't want any. Can't hate. It's a sin, man. Smoke. I, don't, I don't want any of the Christians coming for me. <laughs> <laughs> hate isn't actually one of the sins they listed it's not one of the seven but i feel like envy like i'm not jealous of the pope i'm really happy with my life i don't want to be the pope <laughs> okay <laughs> excellent <laughs> um so uh yeah the sins in full metal alchemist basically the they're created by the father character the dwarf in the flask homunculus guy the fake von hohenheim the idea is that this character is trying to like get rid of his sins, basically. Um, so he like uses philosopher's stones to create these uh, sort of physical embodiments of his sins to try to like remove them from himself so that he is no longer like beholden to the laws of the universe. Basically, he's trying to become perfect by um, manifesting his sin in these bodies. Honestly, jokes on him though, because every single one of them was dope as hell. Yeah. And he would have really? been way cooler if he well, okay, not every single one of them, but like most of them were <laughs> dope as hell. Yeah. A lot of his the sins were very dope. Greed was as cool as, as like, shit. Fighters go. I mean, like, it was weird that like Gluttony just ate people. Like that that was definitely a problem. But like Pride's a really great character. Yeah. Wrath is real strong. Well, I guess like Gluttony's also weird because he's not really created the same way as the rest of them. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second, actually, like specifically how they're different from one another, I guess. But mm -hmm. Anyway, the uh, the one thing I wanted to mention going in is that they all have these like Ouroboros marks. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I yeah. see them referred to as tattoos or just marks. I don't know if they're technically tattoos. I think the translation was typically put down as tattoos to signify that they were like part of their skin. Yeah. The circle type of thing alludes to the transmutation. I almost said transmogrification. I don't even know what that is. Transmutation <laughs> circles. And also Ouroboros's... Ouroboros are, <laughs> are symbols of Ouroboros. Like, oh my god. <laughs> They're symbols also of the transmigration of the soul and like eternal life, sort of reincarnation type of thing, which I thought was interesting in the context of like the Philosopher's Stones being composed of souls. Right. So these are like dragons or snakes eating their own tail, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Love this whole imagery. Very cool. The uh, first sin that we meet is lust. Uh, lust is usually sexual desire, as you probably are familiar with, but it also can refer to sort of whatever desire. How does that not conflict with greed, then? Yeah, or even gluttony. I think they're all kind of related. Like, especially one of the things I was seeing a lot when I was looking into this stuff was, especially when rape comes up as an example, um, that gets filed under a lot of different sins. Like, sometimes it's lust, sometimes it's pride, sometimes it's wrath. Okay. It's sort of like different oh. ways so i think there's like overlap sure depending on okay. the motivation and how it manifests but yeah depending on uh depending on the religion it's sort of like a sliding scale of how much lust you're allowed to have okay well i mean <laughs> so like ancient greeks are like whatever about lust right i mean yeah they were pretty horny right yeah uh, yeah pretty <laughs> horny but they're and like there was like sacred prostitution and stuff like that i'm just saying look at zeus yeah. Yeah. And like you had like the church of what Dionysus, which was just all about like just consumption and like sex and wine. Getting and real food. drunk and having a great time. Yeah. yeah. Bacchanalia. Yeah. 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 So, well, I guess that's the Bacchanalia would be Latin. But uh, yeah. So the ancient Greeks are kind of whatever about it. But by the time 
you get a little bit further along. By the time you get to Catholics, they're like, okay, sex is fine if it's for babies. And if it's not for babies, it's bad. But if you're viewing it more broadly as desire in general, it's also bad in traditions like Buddhism where like desire is the cause of suffering, right? So depending on how you're going to define lust um, and what time period and religion you're looking at, how bad sexual desire is kind of varies a lot. Dante, our buddy of the Divine Comedy, <laughs> defined lust as love of others more than God. So basically, if you're like more into people than you are into God. I'm sorry, is the Divine Comedy the name of the book and not Dante's Inferno? Yeah, I in- learned this today. The Inferno, <laughs> no. The divine, today I learned. It's, it's it's three books. Well, it's like a what? three-part thing. It's a three-part thing. The, the first one is uh, Inferno, and then the second one is Purgatory, and the third one is Paradise. Oh, God, I had no idea. Yeah. So the Inferno is like the hell part. Then Purgatory is actually, the second book is the one that has like the seven deadly sins in it. They're like terraces in Purgatory, basically. And then I don't know what happens in Paradise because I find that part less interesting. I like to imagine the entire book is him just like kicking it with Jesus. Not Jesus. Wait, While who is it that he goes through with? He's Isn't like, it, hanging he's out like with priest somebody. buddy? It's his buddy. It's his friend. He gets to kick it with God and his friend. Just chilling. The whole last book well, is them just like shooting the shit. Oh, that's what the book. Yeah, that's <laughs> sure. I'm gonna say yes. That's what that's what it is. That's my headcanon for Dante's Paradiso now. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Baudelaire, I thought was funny. Baudelaire is a French poet from like the mid 1800s and uh his he had this quote that I thought was kind of funny about lust, which is the more a man cultivates the arts, the less Randy he becomes. Randy? Randy. Wow. Only the I know, I looked at a lot of different translations and all of them said Randy. <laughs> what? Wow. <laughs> Only the brute is good at coupling and copulation is the lyricism of the masses. To copulate is to enter into another and the artist never emerges from himself. Damn. This is his his this is his like philosophy about lust. Is like you can't be a good artist and be lusty. I feel like a lot of artists would disagree with that pretty I, inherently. Yeah. I would almost say you need to be lusty to be a good artist and a lot of art forms. If TV and movies have demonstrated anything <laughs> to me. It's like sex, drugs, and rock yeah, and roll. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's the... <laughs> the fuck does this guy know? <laughs> what an idiot. He's a freaking French poet. What a dumbass. <laughs> Actually, don't want the haters. Don't want to get yeah, canceled. Yeah, sorry, so sorry, anybody sorry. studying this guy as a thesis topic. My like, bad, my no, bad. No I, I'm really excited, by the way, about this idea that you're having that people who are writing a thesis, like, pull up this podcast to be like, all right, here am I. I I'm going to get the research here. I think the very nature of this show is such that it will be impossible to avoid haters, and we should expect to spend the rest of our lives being <laughs> added <laughs> anyway uh saint thomas aquinas uh had like had this huge like i'm sorry to interrupt again this guy's name sounds yes. familiar i don't know who he is at all he's he's like a I don't know if like he's a religious figure yeah he's like a italian philosopher and like priest guy from the 1200s okay he's written a bunch of stuff about christianity and he had this whole breakdown of different kinds of lust and it was all like this is bad this is bad this is bad this is bad but wet dreams are fine that's not your fault (laughs) (laughs) you can't control that god gives you the wet dreams (laughs) he's like you have no control over this don't worry that's not a sin everything else bad job i feel like i've definitely heard about thomas aquinas and it's never been related to wet dreams ever before yeah dude that's so thank you thank you for that no he did like a bunch of philosophy stuff too the Full Metal Alchemist character, Lust the Lascivious, uh-huh. is like this sexy lady 
with long hair. Her fingers turn into like claws that she can use to like stab people, basically. Mm-hmm. And her Ouroboros mark is at the like the top of her sternum. It's 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 not in her cleavage. It's cleavage adjacent. It's like so that you have to look at the cleavage if you're looking in the general area. Exactly. It was intentional. Yeah. Generally, sure. I think you have to look at the cleavage if you're looking at her. I was going to say her dress is actually extremely like about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically latex. Yes. So that's how the that's how the sin of lust is portrayed in I get Full that Metal uh, she's a woman because like that's like I guess an obvious depiction for lust is like a sexy lady. It's interesting that that the father's like lust took on that form like did yeah, he make her to be a sexy yeah. lady thus like kind of negating his actually casting off lust because he put that thought process into it or was his uh lusting for people embodied by him being a sexy lady i don't know i don't i feel like because like i guess the dwarf like based all of this on like what they could observe throughout like their life after like they got a body oh yeah that's true so it's like maybe like this is like the general like this is if i was going to imagine like a sex symbol based on what data i've collected this is the form it should take yeah that makes sense and yeah the personality it should have i guess i, I don't know mm-hmm. unless is also historically depicted as a woman right sometimes with like snakes biting her breasts so that seems like an adam eve kind of uh throwback or like yeah. a lilith pro- yeah. throwback oh yeah lilith lust hangs out with gluttony that's our, our second homunculus sin here gluttony is like eating too much or if you want to make it broader consuming too much mm-hmm. pope gregory the first who defined these and also our buddy thomas aquinas broke this down into like different types of gluttony so we've got eating food that is too luxurious exotic or costly eating food that's like too fancy is gluttonous so like okay. if it's too too bougie too bougie yeah i wonder yeah. if a lot of people had gout at this time i was gonna probably say Eating too much, obviously. Eating too soon, like before it's lunchtime. Snacking. No no snacks. You only eat the three main meals. No snacking. (laughs) No snacking. And also eating like too eagerly. So like if you sit down to a not too elaborate, not too much and not too soon dinner and then you're too excited to eat, then that's bad too. What this is telling me is that anyone who sits down and makes like a joking moaning noise after eating food, they're going to hell. That's what I'm learning here. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, yeah. It's confirmed. Unless, what are those things called where you, you buy forgiveness for your sins from the church? Does it, like, scale with inflation? Is it getting more expensive to get into heaven as, like, we move through time? We should look that up, because that might be something we should figure out soon. <laughs> What's the cost to get into heaven? <laughs> indulgences. Yeah, indulgences. So basically, you can pay to get your sins gone. So yeah, Gluttony in Full Metal Alchemist is this big round guy. Uh, he has scary teeth and a big tongue. That's where his Ouroboros is. Yeah. And he's like very sort of like childlike, I guess. It's actually kind of a bummer. Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah. Um, and he was made by father trying to create a gate of truth basically. So he's got a broken gate of truth in his belly. I don't know. Maybe you guys could explain this a little better than me. Yeah. Whenever he like really tries to eat someone to the, his fullest effect, his like stomach opens up and it reveals the shape of an eye, like a 90 degree tilted eye, uh, which looks like the eye that shows up whenever someone like tries to do human transmutation. So it's this like mouth out of his stomach with giant eyeball. Um, and then it sucks people in. And then once they're in there, they're in this place. It's like filled with blood, like mostly pitch black, but there's like fire and stuff in there. For example, if Roy fights him and he like, like sucks up some of the fire so the fire is still burning and then there's like bones and body parts and like pieces of buildings that got caught up in him like doing his like vacuum suction eating uh it's extremely gross it is extremely gross i feel like this is like some dimension and they have to like go through the truth to get into it it's more that like he tried to make a portal to what is behind truth's gate of knowledge 
So, like, where you go, oh, yeah, where you go whenever you do human transmutation, you can find all the knowledge of the universe. He, like, tried to make that, mm-hmm. and it failed. So, it's just a pocket dimension, like, inside of Gluttony, I guess. But, like, Ed and Ling get trapped in there at some point, and they have to do, like, a, re- a reverse human transmutation kind of process in order to get back mm-hmm. out. Yeah, it's gross in there. Yeah. yeah, so much blood. Do they fight Envy in there? Yeah, they do fight Envy. In okay. their true form. Yes. So they they use the souls from Envy, Philosopher's Stone, to power this human transmutation. Um, but it's a reversal because usually when you do human transmutation, you're like opening the gate. This is forcing the gate to open back up. So it kicks them back out. Got it. Yeah, Envy is um, a, this sort of androgynous character. is like a shape-shifting homunculus. And because that, well, okay, so Envy has a bunch of different forms. There's like the form he takes when he's a human, which is like this androgynous sort of like crop top kind of crop top short Britney shorts. Spears aesthetic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, then there's also his big scary form, which is like this giant chimera type beastie with many body horror type bodies in him. Mm-hmm. It's just like all of like the souls he's composed. Yeah. Of. Yeah. It's very. They're like all yelling and talking and stuff too. A lot to watch. Yeah. Help me. And then he also has <laughs> a, a tiny little baby lizard form, which I guess is his true form. He's a tiny little. He looks like a caterpie. Yeah. Like when all the souls are gone, he yeah. can't. His true form is reliant on the souls. So when they're all gone, he's yeah. just this little baby thing. Yeah. That's why he's so envious. He has nothing. He hates people because he's, he's jealous. Yeah. He hates people a lot. <laughs> his whole thing is like trying to make people suffer. He's like responsible for starting the Ishvalan war, but then he feels yeah. bad and he kills himself and it's so sad. I mean, he kills yeah. himself because they make him feel bad because Ed is like kind at the very end and like yeah. sympathetic mm-hmm. and he's like, fuck you. How dare you pity me? And he like rips out his philosopher's stone so he can kill himself. Because Roy was about to fuck him up. Roy was like two seconds away. Roy was ready. He's like, I was like, I'm killing him. Or it's <laughs> <laughs> like, I will take this dude out. <laughs> yeah. I have a soft spot for Envy. Uh, historically speaking, it's just generally feeling bad when other people are doing well, I guess. This is one the one, by the way, that the Pope added. So this wasn't in the original the list. Hater, the hater. In the yeah. <laughs> it's like they're just jealous. They're just jealous of <laughs> me, man. Just jealous. It's bad a- across like many religions, obviously. Uh, although weirdly, when I was researching, I found envy listed as more of like a developmental and psychological thing than, uh, than like a philosophical or moral thing. Like it came up as like a component of like adolescent development and like schadenfreude is also related to this right like as sort of the flip side like i'm sad when other people are happy i'm happy when other people are sad Mm -hmm. and it's also listed as like a component of like narcissism i guess so envy has many shapes is the moral of the story (laughs) Uh uh-huh Sloth is like this big guy, doesn't like to dig. He digs a lot. He hates digging, yeah. but that's all he does. He's got a tattoo on Sloth his back. Sloth is so ironic. Yeah. He's just an ironic fucking character. I don't I don't have a lot to say about this guy or honestly this sin. I mean, the uh, Sloth is originally derived from the acedia, the like being uninterested in doing nothing is the sort of original Greek way of looking at it okay and it sort of like got updated to sloth so it's kind of linked to depression and just like i don't want to do anything yeah i mean you mentioned that sadness got uh thrown into that one right Mm -hmm. yeah so the the sort of like not wanting to do things and being sad got updated to sloth and this guy just he just digs in a circle i have nothing else do you guys have anything to say about sloth (laughs) he he almost uh takes down the armstrongs yeah that's true yeah 
I have very little to say about sloth because that's just been the reality of this quarantine time. So <laughs> um, we're all sinners right now. Yeah, all sinners. The next one is Wrath. King Fury Bradley. Yeah, technically introduced earlier than all the other ones, but it was a secret. Technically, yeah. yeah. So Full Metal Alchemist has him as uh, King Bradley, Fuhrer Bradley, whatever. He's this big, stern, buff dude with an eye patch, which masks his Ouroboros tattoo slash ultimate eye. How does the ultimate eye work? You just like can see things fast. I think it's just it's like bullet time, bullet like bullet time, time sight. He's very good at fighting with a sword. Uh, that's that's kind of his thing. And you, when you first meet him, you find out that he's a homunculus before you find out that his quote unquote kid is a homunculus, which I think is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, anyway, wrath is one of the sins that has like people kind of divided on whether or not it's a bad thing. In classical philosophy, Seneca and Galen saw it as like kind of a madness and were like, this isn't even useful if you're going to fight and kill somebody. It makes you crazy and it's not a smart way to go about, even if you are doing something that's like violent or trying to, you know, take somebody down or like sports or whatever, there's no point in getting angry. It won't help. Mm-hmm. Aristotle was fine with it, kind of, as like a method of like motivating you against injustice. So like if something unjust happens and you're pissed about it, that's good. Like you should be angry when you witness injustice. Makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. It's also interesting because I guess Wrath is like the only homunculus that was based from like a human. Yeah. Yeah, he like got the stone inserted. Like the sin is more closely related to like just being human rather than like this more abstract thing because we all have like wrath in mm-hmm. us inherently and it's a yeah. good thing. Well, and there's some Christians who view it as like being angry as at God as part of the process of worship. Yeah, I mean that whole like righteous anger thing is I feel like pretty common. Yeah. If it's like, God, why have you done this to me? That's sort of part of the process of connecting with and worshiping God, which I thought was kind of weird. Hmm. Like you'd think that it would not be, you're not supposed to be mad at God, but I guess it's okay. Yeah. I mean, I've also, obviously that's the thing that is applied to other groups as well. Like it is okay to be wrathful at other groups of people in the name of God. Yeah. Yeah. Hence the crusade. Yeah, I was about to say, I use okay in very <laughs> yeah, yeah, light yeah. terms, okay. like, okay. Okay in quotation marks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Pride is actually another one of the ones that has people kind of split on whether it's good or not, which is, I, and it actually is the widest split as well, because a lot of philosophers and theologians, whatever, will list it as like the worst of all sins, like the, the father of all sins, all other sins are derived from pride, etc. He is the oldest in Full Metal. yeah. C.S. Lewis, the Narnia guy, had this to say about pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-god state of mind. Oh my god, he was really harsh about pride. <laughs> As someone that has pride tattooed on their body, this is fantastic. Oh, no. oh that's right. It's on your left arm, right? <laughs> yes. Okay, let me let me reassure you though. This is also has like the least negative connotations. So like some people are like this is the absolute worst. A bunch of people are like actually no, this is fine. Aristotle again, he's yeah. like this is pride is the crown of virtues, right? Pride is on his good list. You can't have like too much of it and get like hubrisy. Hubris is always bad, but like the right amount of pride in oneself is like a good thing. And then also you have like modern day stuff like pride around like ethnicity and origin and 
gender and sexuality and that kind of stuff, which obviously has positive connotations as well. So this one seems to split, divide people. The Full Metal Alchemist pride is, yeah, as you said, the first homunculus created. He doesn't have a tattoo, I don't think. No. I don't remember seeing it, but it might be there. He so. doesn't really have a body technically because he really is in the form yeah. of the dwarf in a- The dwarf in the flask, yeah, because he like is yeah. just like the shadow thing. I guess like yeah. his true form is the little baby with like the third eye, kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah, so he has, he looks like a little baby kid, but then he's also just made of like shadows full of eyes. Super creepy. And that's how he fights you. It's so cool. So scary. So, and I guess if it's all the way dark, he like can't reach you, which I also think is really cool. I don't know. Yeah. His whole thing is very cool. I also on my list here have a bullet point that just says in all capitals, scary. I find him very scary. Yeah, he's terrifying because like yeah. if you're in a tunnel, like you're walking completely blind, it's dark. You're already scared. And the only thing that might give you a little bit of hope is like maybe a little flicker of light, which will ultimately kill you because all you're going to see is eyes and like sharp shadows that are going to like impale you. That happened with the the guys at the northern base because they were yeah, like exactly. they were trying to investigate the sloth thing and they like had torches and all of them died and then I think it was like Ed and a few of the other people found them. The one survivor was like screaming to turn the lights off repeatedly when they first found yeah. them because he was like terrified of the shadows coming out. So awful. Yikes! I've saved the best for last. Yeah, I did notice. I've saved greed for last. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, you want to tell us about Greed? In Full Metal Alchemist, Full Metal Alchemist? In Full Metal Alchemist, Full Metal Alchemist, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Greed is the only homunculus that appears twice in the show. His first iteration is already um, separate from Father and the other homunculi. He's like kind of washed his hands of them. I think they said it's been, it's been like 300 years since he was like united with them. Yeah, so he shows up. He's wearing a slight crop top and then like this fur-lined like vest thing. He's hanging out with a bunch of chimera experiments. Um, in like another city. He is obviously very greedy kind of thing. He like when he's introduced to Ed and Al, his whole thing is he like yells that he wants everything in the world, money, women, things, all of it, like everything in the world belongs to him. It's kind of interesting because it kind of manifests as a deep loyalty because he wants everything in the world. So he wants friends and because they're his, yeah. because their friends are his, then he has to protect them. It's so cute. Uh, basically, his first iteration is killed by Bradley. So this is the reveal that Bradley is a homunculus because he shows up, is fighting him and then because of his like ultimate eye bullet time vision he's able to kill greed or rather he uh incapacitates greed and then father dunks greed into a pit of lava um in order to recollect the philosopher's stone the philosopher's stone is later given to a character named uh ling who came from another country uh he's about ed's age he's looking for the philosopher's stone in order to have the uh a gift of immortality to give to his father so he's next in line to become the emperor and so he willingly takes on this philosopher's stone because he's like, well, if I can master it, then I can take this stone back with me to my country. Greed part two shows up. Um, and he also eventually turns on father, mostly for the same reason of I want everything in the world. So I'm not going to listen to this dude because I want everything. I don't care about this guy's goals. And also because he has this like fierce loyalty of, you know, I want everything, including my friends and they're mine. So like no one can tell me what to do with them and stuff like that. It's ex- it's a very it's very good vibes. He also yeah. is the most indifferent to people, sort of. It's kind of like not mad at them or hell bent on killing all of them or whatever. Yeah, he just kind of exists to like get his own shit and move yeah. on. He's really mm. detached from like a lot of like the drama and the plot of everything. And his ultimate um armor is just awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. 
big, big fan yeah. of fight scenes with greed. But yeah, greed is that he basically manifest greed is the way it's defined more broadly, which is just sort of like wanting stuff and dissatisfaction with what you have. Sometimes people will like focus it in on money, I guess, or power. But yeah, just wanting stuff and wanting more than what you have, like being dissatisfied with what you have which is broadly denounced throughout history and across the world. I don't need to list all of the different places and times and countries and religions and everything because it's basically, yeah, everybody hates it. Except for in Full Metal Alchemist, Full Metal Alchemist, because this character rules. Yeah, this character is definitely the best homunculus. And in the 80s movie Wall Street, where uh, Gordon Gecko says greed is good. That's true. We do have that official quote uh, now. Yep. Greed is good. You hear it here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's all seven. It, it was, I guess, like, weird, like, the dwarf never really wanted to be human, like, they, the dwarf wanted to become, like, better than, like, God. Right. And I guess had to become, like, human, but, like, inherently took on all of, like, these sins. And was then, like, trying to basically get back to their original dwarf form, because, like, it was perfect before. And it, like, kind of, like, to get out of the flask, it had to taint its, I guess, purity, or, like, whatever. It's just, like, weird that it wasn't a human, became a human, then spent all that time and work to, like, get rid of, like, all of, like, the human aspects of it. I always, like thought of it as it had all of it and then it thought that rather than it became human once it came out of the flask and took on those things mm. it already had all of it and thought those were just human things and then cast them off uh, i don't i mean yeah it's sense. always like it's ambiguous right i always thought of it as yeah. like he like thought he was above pride but the fact of the matter is that a sentient creature will be subject to these kinds of things mm -hmm. and again what a fucking idiot because these people <laughs> all had dopest shit powers. Yep. They were all cool. They were all really cool. Except for Sloth, who just kind of was there, I guess. He just was there, yeah. I think it's interesting to have, like, the sins as bad guys. I don't know, like, it, it it's kind of... It's kind of in a way low hanging fruit, but I like I just like seeing like the different ways that that manifest and sort of the kinds of ways that they draw in like symbolism and stuff to mm -hmm. express who those are. And uh, it's all very cool. And that's my expert opinion. Hey <laughs> Thanks for listening to In My Expert Opinion. Please remember to rate and subscribe. We'd also be grateful if you'd leave a review with your expert opinion on why this podcast is rad. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at expertoppod, or email us at inmyexpertopinion at gmail.com. Later, nerds! <laughs>